the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman broadcasting from my offices here in San Jose. I'm back live today. If you listened last week, you probably uh, may have noticed that uh, we played my previous week's show over again. Um, I had a bunch of things come up at the last minute last Friday where I just realized I needed to step away and take care of some things. So I had them rerun my show from the previous week. Uh, If you're just joining us, um, I did let everybody know that as of November 1, I'm no longer actively taking on new regular estate planning clients. Uh, I still am taking on um, clients that are referred to me by other clients or by other attorneys. And uh, basically... um, Uh, And I may still take other ones in uh, if they come in the door, but um, I've backed away from that aspect of my practice uh, fairly significantly, and I'm emphasizing a different part of my practice, which is my court petition practice, which has exploded in the last month, and, um, and it's taking more and more of my time. I will still be having my show, though, and answering questions on the air, and passing on information so that you can become better educated about estate planning and the issues that come up in estate planning so that even if you don't use me as your planner, you will be better educated and better informed when you go and talk with someone to help you set up your own estate plan for you and your family. Estate planning is a process. It is not something you just kind of do and then um, and then forget about. Um, like owning a house is a process. There's always things that need to be fixed, maintained, repaired. If you don't, it will fall into disrepair, what we call deferred maintenance in the real estate industry. And you may find that there are serious problems down the line because of not having things maintained properly. Well, estate plans can be the same thing. Failure to maintain an estate plan can cause serious problems for a family when you die. So part of my function here with Plan Your Estate Radio is to pass on information and insights and answer questions. And if I can help people out there avoid the kinds of problems that seem to plague people in the area of estate planning, I will consider that I have done a good job. So continuing on with my usual format today, 
I'm going to go through questions and comments from around the state of California and, uh, and answer those. I'm going to pose the situation, then I'm going to kind of comment on it and then maybe answer some questions. You may hear something today that applies to you. That's a situation you're involved with or you have a friend that's involved with. And that's what I'm trying to do is pass that information on today. Okay, so first question out of the chute. Someone wants to know, how can I find out if I'm in the family trust or will? I don't know if I've been taken out. I'd like to know. Well, the response to that is, if the person who made the trust or will is willing to tell you, then that's how you find out. If they don't want you to know, chances are very good you have no right whatsoever to find out anything because someone's will and someone's trust are private and personal to them, and there's no legal requirement that they share that information with you. Someone asking this question, it sounds to me like they're concerned that they're going to be disinherited, maybe because of the way they've related to the person who made the trust or will, or for some other reason. And what I would say there is uh, you really have no way to find out unless the person in charge uh, shares that information with you voluntarily. Okay, so here is um, a series of brothers and uh, some of the brothers who are actually renting a parent's home, which I presume that they inherited from the parent when the parent died, they would like to buy out um, other brothers because they want to own the house. And the question is, how do they do it? Well, you go to a lender and you apply for a loan in the amount needed to buy out the other brothers, and then you buy them out. As long as the ones who um, who are selling actually agree to sell their interest, you just have to agree on the price and then go from there. I will say, however, that if you buy out a sibling from any property, not just a parent's home that you that you inherited, then there's going to be a reassessment of the real property taxes in reference, specifically in reference to the interest that was purchased. So that's, um, now it could be a different result if you had a trust. Uh, if the property is still in a trust, then uh, there may be some techniques to actually have some of the heirs receive the property while other heirs receive cash instead. But I'm not going to go into detail on that on the show today. If you have a situation like that, you can always give me a call at 408-247-0444 or email me at radio, R-A-D-I-O, at lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. Here's a question out of Aptos, California. My parents' estate attorney has passed. I want to determine if the attorney who wrote the trust sent the documents to another firm or if another attorney or law office took over from the deceased attorney's clients or took over for the deceased attorney's clients? Well, um, first of all, the question is, uh, did the parents have their own estate planning documents, their own trust and wills and things like that? That's my practice. My practice is to have my clients have possession of their original estate planning documents and leave them to decide how they are going to best secure them, whether it's in a safe deposit box at a bank or whether it's in a fireproof safe in their home. Um, this can be a problem. 
Uh, many attorneys in the past would actually hold on to all of the estate planning documents of their clients, which meant if the attorney became disabled, retired, moved away, or died, then you might have the problem of trying to figure out where did my documents go. So in a case like this, you can start with the county bar and you can ask them whether or not this attorney, uh, whether any instructions were left with the attorney. Uh, you could contact an attorney in the community and see if they could actually request information on a listserv um, to see if there's any attorneys in that community that took over the practice of the deceased attorney. Um, so there are different avenues to, to go. The state of California might be able to help. Uh, there may have been some uh, information filed with them about the attorney's practice and who took it over. Uh, if the practice was taken over, presumably the new attorney would actually notify all of the uh, deceased attorney's clients that they now have the files. But there's really no one set way that a situation like this is addressed. So I'm not sure uh, just what to do at that point. Now here's someone who said, uh, I have a trust document that's been notarized. Do I need to record the trust with the county? Well, first of all, if you have a living trust, it's intended to be a private document and you don't really file it or record it anywhere. The only time it would ever be recorded with the county is if you had to go to court to deal with something with the trust after somebody has died and then a copy of the trust typically has to be filed with the court as part of a petition to the court. Okay, we're coming up on the end of the first break today. Uh, when we come back after this break, I will continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. You can also call in if you'd like to 800-516-1220 if you'd like to ask me a question on the air. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and I will see you on the other side of the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Well, welcome back. Uh, I am going to continue on with more questions and comments from around the state of California. And uh, let's go right now to the next one right here. Okay, so... Um, all right, uh, here's the question. After a trustee dies, does the property title to real estate go into the successor's trustee's name or does it go into the trust beneficiary's name? And this person said they're getting mixed answers online. Well, I think I can answer that one right now. If the trustee of a trust dies and there's real estate where that trustee is on the title as the trustee of that trust, then that means the successor trustee has to take steps to remove the name of the now deceased trustee from the title of the real estate, typically by filing what's called an affidavit of change of trustee that would have a certified copy of a death certificate attached to it showing that's why the successor trustee has now taken over. It would only end up in the trust beneficiary's name if it's being distributed out of the trust to the beneficiary. And then in this case, that would be done by the successor trustee who's now on the title, transferring the property 
on the title with a grant deed or something similar to the beneficiary so that the beneficiary now owns the property. So the short answer is you put the successor trustee's name on the property, not the beneficiary's name, unless you're going to end up distributing the property out of the trust to the beneficiary so it's no longer in the trust at all. Okay, here's someone saying, my mother-in-law has mild onset dementia. And what that means that mild dementia means that the the mother-in-law is still probably pretty competent and can do a lot of things and make a lot of decisions. Um, my mother-in-law wants my spouse to take care of mother-in-law's medical and financial decisions. What kind of power of attorney is needed? Well, there's two different ones that are needed here. Uh, for the financial decisions, it's a durable power of attorney or durable power of attorney for financial matters or financial decisions. There's no magic name for it, just a durable power of attorney. Durable means that the authority continues on after the person who granted the authority has become incapacitated. In the case of a financial power of attorney, however, the authority ends completely when the person who granted the authority dies. So financial power of attorney is needed for financial matters. For medical, we would use the advanced health care directive, which includes within it a medical power of attorney combined with a directive to physicians, which is basically instructions for someone's doctors about what to do if you're in a medical situation and you do not have someone named in the advanced health care directive to speak on your behalf. That person is called a health care agent for the financial durable power of attorney. We typically call that person just the agent or financial agent or attorney in fact. Attorney in fact is the formal title as opposed to attorney at law who is a lawyer or an attorney. And um, an attorney in fact Agent uh, pretty much just means agent anyway. So those are the two things you would need. If the person actually had substantial assets, there should also be a living trust that owns those assets because you don't want to end up in the situation where, where the assets have to go through probate when mother-in-law passes away. Okay, here's someone uh, out of uh, the South Bay here says, uh, my mother had several amendments to her trust. There are five assets and the distributions are listed in the second amendment to her trust. That document was later made null and void in its entirety in my mother's fourth amendment. So it sounds like mom's fourth amendment got rid of the second amendment. But the assets are never mentioned again in any of the later documents. What happens to them? Well... Unless there are specific assets identified in the legal documents, assets not specifically identified would be part of what we call the residue of the trust, meaning whatever's left over after specific distributions are indicated. So there's typically in a trust going to be something called a residuary clause or section that says, how do you divide up or distribute the property that's not specifically divided up or distributed earlier in the trust document. If it's the children of the person, it probably says divide it 
equally between the children or if a child is deceased, pass that child's share down to that child's children. That's a very, very common thing. Um, but really the answer to the question for this person is, what does the trust say about things that are not specifically distributed in the trust or in a subsequent amendment to the trust? I want to remind you, you can call in if you'd like to 800-516-1220. Happy to take your questions on the air. If no one calls in, that's fine too. I'll just continue sharing this information from around the state of California. Okay, here's someone who's asking, is there a time limit for a successor trustee to close out a family irrevocable trust once the distribution has been accomplished? And this person said, as successor trustee, I've allowed my portion of the trust assets to remain in the trust for, quote, protection from a debt collector. Okay, let me address that. If this person says they have someone that is coming after them, a debt collector coming after them, just leaving it in like a parent's trust is not going to protect those assets at all unless the trust itself leaves the property in trust for the beneficiary with limitations on the distribution. If instead it says give it to the beneficiary and the beneficiary acting as the trustee just has not distributed it out of the trust yet, that's not going to protect it at all. Uh, when the creditor finds out that there's assets over in this trust that the beneficiary is entitled to receive in their hands right now, there is absolutely no asset protection. There are ways to create asset protection for an inheritance. It's what I call the castle trust planning, which I've talked about various times over the last two and a half years. Uh, you can leave property in trust for your children with certain guidelines and restrictions, and in doing so, uh, actually have their inheritance protected in many ways from their creditors, from uh, accidents they may have, malpractice claims, divorcing spouses, and similar things. We're coming up now on the second show break today. Uh, I hope you're enjoying the show and you're actually getting some useful information today. That's certainly my function here is to educate and hopefully entertain now and then. If you'd like to call after the break, it's 800-516-1220, or you could call now on the break, and, uh, and my engineer will keep you on hold until we come back after these commercials. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and I'll talk with you in a few minutes. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. And welcome back. If you want to send your questions to me by email, you can email to radio at lawbob.com. I'd be happy to uh, respond to your emails. And... Um, and it uh, and um, I can respond on the air if you'd like, or you can call in at 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. In the meantime, though, we'll continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. So here is a question, which sounds one of the, like the, 
one of those I'm asking for a friend questions. You know, we've all heard of those. Uh, asking for a friend, and then you know that the friend is the person asking the question. So here it says, if an unmarried man dies and leaves one and a half million dollars to his girlfriend, will she have to pay taxes on this money? I'm asking because I'm curious if she will avoid taxes if he marries her before he dies. And this is in California. Mm -hmm. Asking for a friend. Um, the, the answer to that question is probably no, because if the one and a half million dollars is actually cash, there's not going to be any inheritance tax on that in California. There would be no estate tax unless the unmarried man had about another $10 million of property, more than $10 million of property that he's leaving to someone else, in which case he might have a taxable estate and some portion of this, pro rata portion of this might be subject to tax. If the $1.5 million is from an IRA or 401k plan that's not a Roth, well then it may be all taxable when it's taken out of that IRA or 401k plan as, as ordinary income tax. But I think the assumption here is, the assumption is that this is just $1.5 million being left directly to the girlfriend. Um, she would avoid taxes whether uh, she marries him or not. Um, if they were married, he could leave uh, an unlimited amount of property, uh, cash or other property, to her without there being any estate tax because of something called the unlimited marital deduction. And uh, that's assuming that, uh, that she is a U.S. citizen or permanent resident of the country. I'll put that little qualifier in there. Um, and even if she is, uh, even if she's not, if it's well under about eleven and a half million dollars, which is what it's going to be, uh, which is what it is right now, and it's going to go up a little bit in January, um, there would be no estate tax, likely no income tax, and those are the only two taxes we're really concerned about in a situation like this. Okay, here's a situation that uh, that can be dealt with within in the planning process ahead of time, and it sounds like it was not dealt with in the planning process, so it creates kind of an ambiguity. Um, and here's the situation. There is a trust. We'll call it the John Smith Trust. And... Uh, Harvey Jones is the trustee of the John Smith Trust. Uh, Davy Jones is the successor trustee to Harvey. And then Johnny Jones is the successor trustee after the other two. So Harvey Jones dies. Davy Jones takes over successor trustee, but then Davy Jones dies. The trust states that the beneficiary, that's Johnny Jones, doesn't get the trust until he turns age 35. But he's named as the successor trustee. He's also only 30 years old right now. So what happens in this situation? Because now the trust beneficiary is 30, but doesn't get the property until he's 35. And I'm assuming in all this that the original creator of the trust has died. That was uh, the first person I mentioned. 
Um, so in a situation like this, um, unless there's provisions in the trust that put a limitation on the person acting as trustee of the trust, such as provided he's at least 35 years of age, then the question becomes, well, what if he just takes over and it says that he's entitled to it at age 35, but he's now the trustee in charge? As a practical matter, there's nobody to stop him just taking the money and going on with his life because he was left in charge without a qualifier. Um, now, if I had drafted this trust, I would have indicated that he might be able to be the trustee for the original owner, but then when the original owner died, if he was now the trustee and he wasn't old enough to be the trustee over his own inheritance, then he would have to step down, either appoint a new trustee if the trust permits that to happen, uh, or maybe even go to court to have a trustee appointed to take over from him so that there's a trustee to handle things until he reaches age 35. As a practical matter, I think what's going to happen is if he's entitled to receive it now because the original owner has died, he's probably just going to empty the trust out and, uh, and take the money and just uh, no matter what the trust says because he'll have the power to do that as the successor trustee. Okay, here's uh, probably a fairly common situation. Dad passed away two months ago. We received a letter from our stepmom. There's always a stepmom or a stepdad involved in here. Um, stating it was a preliminary explanation of the family trust that dad and stepmom had created together. The trust was not funded during his lifetime, meaning that assets were not transferred in while Dad was alive, and they were doing it now. Stepmom said there's a trust A and a trust B, and that she's adding Dad's assets to each one at her discretion. Well, let's pause right there. A trust A is typically what's called a survivor's trust, meaning that it contains property owned by the surviving spouse. Either they're separate property or they're separate property and their share of community property owned by the marriage. Trust B is typically called the bypass trust, and it will contain the property of the spouse that just died, including their separate property and their share of community property owned by the marriage. So um, when, when stepmom says she's adding dad's assets to each one in her discretion, she may or may not be able to do that. It depends on what the trust says. It may say that all of Dad's share of everything goes into Trust B and only Trust A is um, stepmom's share of the property. Now, it says there's two properties in question and various liquid assets and personal property. Dad's trust states that his estate is to be divided equally between four children upon stepmom's death. Stepmom says that her trust which in here would be trust A, dad's trust would be trust B, that her trust is currently identical, but she can change it at her discretion. That's because trust A, the surviving spouse's trust, is likely to be revocable, which means it can be amended or modified or canceled by the surviving spouse at her discretion. So 
And the questions are this. Is it possible for stepmom to disinherit the four children from our father's estate? Second, stepmom states she can buy, sell, gift, or use any and all assets in dad's trust at her discretion. Is this true? Probably not. It probably says that she can use income and principal as needed for her own personal needs, but not willy-nilly at her discretion. If she had full discretion to use anything in that trust um, without any kind of limitation, well, then basically she owns that bypass trust, and it's not a true bypass trust. Um, then the next question is, is there something we can do if she does not put property into trust B? Absolutely. If these four children are the remainder beneficiaries of trust B, meaning they're going to receive it when stepmom dies, they actually have a vested interest in that trust and a vested interest in that trust being funded according to the terms of the joint trust between their father and their stepmother. If the stepmother never puts things into the B trust, they could actually go after the stepmother, even take her to court and insist that she be removed as the trustee of that trust and that their father's property be funded into or transferred into the ownership of that B trust. So here it says uh, they haven't had a good relationship with stepmom. She can be very vindictive. She stated she would spend whatever money she needed to take care of her sisters. Now, her sisters, dad's sisters-in-law, I'm guessing they're not beneficiaries of this trust at all. That means stepmom is telling them ahead of time, I'm going to ignore what the trust says and do whatever I want. I would tell them they need to have legal counsel right away to write a letter to stepmom insisting that she administer the trust properly or else they will go to court and have her removed as the trustee and someone else put in place that will carry out what the trust says to do. Pretty serious situation, and I'll bet it happens all the time. In fact, I know it happens all the time. Okay, we're coming up to the third break of the show today. Uh, when I come back after the third break, I will wrap up the show with some more questions and comments from around California. In the meantime, if you would like to call in, I'd be happy to talk with you in that fourth segment, answer your questions on the air. It's 800-516-1220 if you'd like to call in. Otherwise, this is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio, and I will talk with you after the final break for the show today. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Yes, uh, welcome back. We're in the final segment of the show today. So I'm going to wrap it up with some more questions and comments from around the state of California. And then we will call it a day, call it a wrap, call it whatever you want to do. Just don't call me late for dinner. Okay, so here's someone who says... Um, I have a revocable living trust. I deeded my house into it. I have my friend as the beneficiary of my trust. Her name is not on the deed of my house. Um, now, it says, um, 
if I add her name with a quit claim on my deed to avoid Medicaid from taking my home, what? Okay, this is really confused. Let me just say right now, if you have your residence owned in a trust, whether it's a revocable living trust or some other trust, um, it is not subject to being taken by the state for Medi-Cal, which is the Medicaid program in the state of California, if you need to receive um, Medi-Cal, for example, to pay for the cost of your nursing home. The law changed a couple years ago, and now we're in the situation where if you uh, turn around and um, put your property into a trust, your home into a trust, and then you need to go into a nursing home, the state cannot recover against your home after you die. Uh, the state can only go after assets that are probate assets. And if you have your property in a living trust, it is not a probate asset because by putting into the trust ownership, you are avoiding the probate process entirely. So if this person wants the property to go to their friend, don't put them on the title of the house. That just makes things more complicated and potentially disastrously bad. Leave it the way it is. Have it passed to your friend who's the beneficiary at your death. And then at that point in time, their property taxes will go up because they're just a friend. They're not a surviving spouse. But still, they can receive the property and um, the state cannot recover against it. Now, here's an interesting question, and I might might be spending a good part of the segment, last segment of the show, talking about this one. If a trustor leaves behind both a signed will and an unrecorded grant deed for a property, which of the two is valid? Mother left a signed letter addressed to one of two beneficiaries stating that she wanted her caregiver's son, the successor trustee, become the homeowner for caring for her during her final years. But she also left behind an unrecorded grant deed assigning the property to the trust. Now, seven years later, the other beneficiary demands a part of the increased value of that property, claiming that the trust was not properly administered. Okay, well, if there was a trust and mom left a signed letter stating she wanted her caregiver's son, successor trustee, to become the homeowner for caring during her final years. But then there was an unrecorded grant deed. The question is, um, if it was unrecorded, but it was signed by the mother and the mother was the trustee, then that means that that property is in the trust. And I would argue that mother's signed letter would act as an amendment to whatever her trust said about how her property is to be distributed. Almost an amendment uh, in the sense of a specific distribution. It's not really a will, um, although it could be treated as a will, but given the context that she had a trust, she named her caregiver's son, um, I think either way, it would likely end up going to the caregiver's son. If it's a will, then it could be admitted as a will, and it says it goes to the caregiver's son. If it's an amendment to the trust, it says it goes to the caregiver's son. 
So I think in a situation like this, I could find a court pretty easily finding that the mother's intent should be carried out, whether it's a will or whether it's an amendment to her trust. The bottom line is the court should look at what did the mother intend with that property and then carry out the mother's wishes. So I think that the caregiver son here is likely uh, going to end up receiving that property. And the other one is complaining and saying, hey, the trust wasn't properly administered. Well, go ahead and administer the trust and then be done with it. Okay, we're coming up on the end of our show today. I hope you've learned some things. I hope you've been entertained and uh, educated a bit about some of the issues of estate planning that are out there. I plan on being back live next Friday, um, assuming that there's no catastrophe happening in my law practice or in my family. I can't guarantee that won't happen, but let's hope it won't. So until next week, this is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and I hope you have a great and productive weekend. So until next Friday, this is Bob Bergman signing off. And cue the music. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases.